Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not something for which you should thank Jesus every day. Uh, today is Thursday, June something or other, and I think it's 2022. I don't know. Do you know? Is it 2020? Yes. It is. It's uh, June 29th. It's June 29th. Yeah. Are we coming up no, on 4th of July? No, it's no. not. It's June okay. 30th. What? Yeah. Holy crap. Okay, guys, seriously, if you would have said one's for the job, I'm like, I don't know, like a month? So it's days away? Well, this makes sense. I got an invitation to a barbecue. Seriously, a 4th of July from my sister-in-law, and I'm like, it's a long way away, check. <laughs> I, uh, boy, she's ambitious. Uh, but I'm so happy you're here, and I'm so excited for today and nervous because we're all insane. And we're going to talk about something that makes people more insane. Uh, but I will do my absolute best uh, on this topic. Now, tomorrow, 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 in my best tractor truck. You know what I'm talking about? What do you yeah. call those? The monster truck crushing truck. monster truck in my best Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. We'll do our question and answer time together. And for those of you who will be on the road traveling, as we say in Michigan, up north, uh, maybe you can give us a listen. Today's episode is brought to you by Heinz Ketchup. So my theory is I can get Heinz to start sending us checks. And I hate ketchup. That's the thing. And uh, did you know we're working on, should I tell them about yeah. our top secret project? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Sister Teresa McDonald, superstar action figure, habits sold separately, has been encouraging me to eat, and look at this face. I can't not make this face, ketchup-flavored potato chips. Um, and this is disgusting. The idea to me is horrifying but i love sister Teresa. so anyway an angel of god came by the rectory i think sunday or monday with like four bags of ketchup flavored potato chips from canada or as we say in america canada so these are probably going to taste disgusting but be super friendly because they're canadian uh and carrie and i are working on a whole taste test We've got ketchup-flavored Doritos. Okay, so this is, here's a possibility, and Carrie's been thinking of this because she hates God and America. Uh, we should invite people to send us their favorite Lay's-flavored potato chips. So I'll try all of them. I mean, look at this. You don't get one of these by blowing chips off. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no chips for me. Like, truly, if you had, we have uh, possum roadkill-flavored potato chips, I'll probably try them. Uh, because potato chips. I saw on the yeah. internet they have lobster flavored lobster sandwich. What do you call it? Lobster roll. There you go. Okay, see, now there's a perfect example. I love potato chips. I, I had one lobster roll once and I very much enjoyed it. But the thought of putting them together is a sign that we're all going to hell. Uh, so anyway, we're going to do this because that one TikTok thing I made trying that Uranus flavored Coke. What was it called? Space Coke or something Starlight. like this? Starlight. Um, that was a hit. So the one thing I'll be interested in is, will I like one of these? Because I'll be honest, of course, like if I like it, heck yeah. Uh, Teresa, Sister Teresa wants to know, does it have to be Lay's or can I send other brands? I think we need a control. I, I think we do need a control group. But here's the thing, sis, yes. if this helps. Sorry, I have five brands now um, from this young lady who came over from Canada. Uh, she gave us like five. And in fact, how's this? I'll take a picture and send it to you. 
of the different brands because sister started this whole thing yes being steeped in sinsen's birth but she did but, but they did include legs they did and you know this one doritos ketchup flavored doritos <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this because Doritos are the most perfect chip in all of creation. Uh, so, yeah, if you want, send us your suggestions or even mail us bags of chips, I guess. But you better cushion the snot out of those things uh, and uh, we'll get after it. OK, so you can mail the chips you want me to sample. <laughs> this is so weird. And I pray you people love me because we're talking about abortion today. So it's possible there's people who are like, we have to kill him. <laughs> Let's have battery acid flavored potato chips because, you know, I'll eat them. <laughs> anyway, if you want, if you want to mail them or drop them off, uh, <laughs> this is so weird. Do so at Holy Family Catholic Church. And here's the address. Ready? Can you type it on the thing? Yes, OK, so I'm not going to say it slow because she's going to type it. One one eight zero four South Saginaw Street in Grand Blanc, Michigan. And that's grand, just like humans say it. And then blank with a C instead of a K. See what I did? C instead of a K. See what I did? One more time. C instead of a K. Do you see how clever that was? Every time I show you, you look down. Okay, well, no, no, it's over now. Moments passed. I'm going to call it the Potato Chip Project. The Potato Chip Project. Brought to you by Heinz. <laughs> <laughs> I hate ketchup, but I want Heinz as a sponsor. I listen to a million podcasts. They don't have any representation in the podcast world. And it can be ketchup because of the blood of... No, that's probably not going to get me any... No. No, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. We could change the name of the podcast. Catch up with Joe. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's dive in today. And I do want to give a couple disclaimers. I know that for me to be reasonable on the topic of abortion, I got to be in the right state of mind. If you're not, don't chip in, right? Uh, I don't, we don't need slogans. We don't need any of that crap. If you're here, I'm assuming you're at least moderately interested in my thoughts and in what I'm sharing. Uh, so please, uh, I told Carrie, if anybody starts being that person, I'm sorry, sis, to put it on you, but just boot them. Yep. I'd love to have reasonable people just listen, okay? Because I'm going to say things I don't like at all. Um, but anyway, with that, here's my goal. What I want to do is walk you through, uh, real simply, the post I made, and then the follow-up post, and then we share with you, A, the reactions, and there were five types of reactions, okay? I sent more emails on my day off than I ever have because this was just a crazy cool discussion. And then what I learned from those five categories. And then I'll talk about what can we do, what do I offer as a suggestion? What do we do with the information I'm gonna share? And then how pro-choicers can better understand pro-lifers how we pro-lifers can better understand our pro-choice brothers and sisters and what we can do together. Because here's a crazy thing. I have a dear friend, I can't be very specific because, oi, who was involved in an active ministry in the passing of laws to help moms who wouldn't even think of an abortion but weren't sure what to do with a baby and didn't, yeah. <clears throat> do you know, here was the problem that she ran into. 
if the pro-lifers found out the pro-choicers liked her idea, they wouldn't work with her. They would actively work against it. If the pro-choicers found out the pro-lifers liked what she was doing, they would actively oppose it and work against it. It was just state by state. And in the end, she said it was this. It was whatever side got to me first, I lost the other side. Even though both sides agreed. Isn't this crazy? And um, so that's what I want us to see. What can we do together? Um, And uh, so with that... Jesus, help me. Here we go. And if at any point during this you're tempted to question my love of God or people, is that okay? I'm quoting a church father, St. Johnson Smith Jones. Okay, so what happened? I made a post. And I don't know if I should have or not. I know I did. And I wanted to delete it within a few hours. But I couldn't. There was too much good stuff being written. Okay, what was the post? It was honestly super simple. I got kicked off Twitter in January. So I've been on Facebook a little more. I don't like Facebook, so I'm barely on it. Or I used to never be on it. Just do my post and run. What got me was, and if I get emotional, I'm sorry, you know, Um, how many of my former students I taught at Lansing Catholic for 10 years. I served with MSU kids for 10 years. And I did not in a week see one post that I would call pro-life. I saw all pro-choice posts. I saw all the exact same posts. Like, it might not have been the same post, but it was certainly the same exact thoughts. And it brought me back to my last three years at MSU, something I reflected on all the time because it blew me away, that kids would come into MSU with an extremely diverse mindset, okay? And it felt like a vast majority left all thinking the exact same way. And it creeped me out then it creeps me out now. And my heartbreak over it was just too much. And so I shared it. The only reason I didn't delete it is because so many good people who disagreed with what I wrote and agreed with what I wrote chimed in. Um, And then I made a follow-up post trying to put perspective on it and acknowledging uh, some of my students, none of them really seemed hurt at me. Uh, One did, but I don't, they weren't really my student. They went to Lansing Catholic after I was there. Uh, And I'm so disappointed in you. All right. Uh, Everybody is. Um, So then I did this follow-up post and people started arguing about abortion. Okay, which I've never, ever, 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 let me double check, ever seen anyone on Facebook seriously say about a major issue, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I've never seen that. So I tried to avoid it with some success, uh, but not much. I get in it too. So what I want to do now is share with you the one, two, three, four, five types of responses I got. Okay, how are we doing so far? Are people being nice? 
Oh, good. Okay. I do love you all. I hope that's clear. Anyway, okay. First, public support slash sorrow, primarily from parents uh, whose idea was simple. My kids went to college and came out so different, uh, it's killing me. We can't talk about anything. And they won't go to church anymore. Okay. So that was type number one. And oh, this is in no particular order. Okay. Although I think it's fair to say that was by far the biggest response. The number one response was parents saying, I know it kills me that young people, whatever you think is happening, the way your parents interpret it as you don't respect their views anymore or listen to them or care. But at the same time, it seems to be all you want to talk about. Okay? No, you might, that's not fair. I'm not saying what's real. I don't know what's real. I'm not there. I can tell you what they think. Um, and for those parents who shared your heartbreak with me, um, I, I tried to express this, and I think it wasn't clear. I want to thank you because um, I didn't feel alone. I've cried a lot in the last two weeks reading Facebook. These beautiful kids um, who are now young adults, I have to, I have to, you know. Uh, okay, I've cried a lot. I can't imagine how much you cry. It is so heartbreaking. Um, and uh, parents, I felt like you let me see maybe I do have a shadow of a father's love or a mama's love. Not real, but a shadow. The best I could do was a celibate dude. And for some reason, that only made me love these kids more. I mean, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love them more. They're killing me. <laughs> and I love them more. Um, so that was pretty cool. What was my conclusion from group number one? Well, uh, it's to ask students to consider either not bringing up all the time that your parents are racist and troglodytes. Um, that's how they perceive that. And try to understand that their position is not undefendable. Yeah, they have reason for what they believe, and it's reasonable, okay? For parents, I wrote, and again, what can I say? I'm not a parent. I just wrote, be at peace. <laughs> um, if, if you're right and if they care about truth, they'll get there. And as is true of most things, it's probably somewhere between them and you, right? St. Thomas Aquinas said, virtue is usually the meeting point between two extremes. He said it better than that, but I'm not St. Thomas. I always do love that. Someone actually did write that a nasty, one of the nasty responses um, was something about how they wish priests were more like St. John Vianney. I'm like, I wish I was more like St. John Vianney. Yeah. But I also know he didn't have email. I also know he had three priests working at a parish that was smaller than my smallest parish, right? Notice there's more than one. I know he didn't have telephones. I know he didn't have everybody who was an expert in theology. You know, saying such brilliant insights as like, oh, my God, Jesus said to love everyone. Um, he uh, he lived in a different world. And no, I'm not that holy. I'm trying for it. I promise I'm fighting for it. But please, he lived in a totally different world. Back then, Catholics, I don't know, donated. That's another thing. Yeah. 
Right? When Catholics were poor, they donate. When Catholics are rich, they're like, no, no, no. We always ran into this. I think I told you this, at Lansing Catholic, where there'd be some kid whose parent was rich, who was on a ball team, and everyone on the, I'd be over on the fence hearing all the parents, oh, her dad gives money to school, so she starts. I mean, no, her dad's rich, so he doesn't give crap to the school. That's literally how it works. You don't get rich giving money away. You know what I mean? As it turns out. Uh, but... Isn't that funny? They, that happened more at Lansing Catholic than anywhere else. Well, it's because they're rich and their parents give. No, they're rich. Their parents don't give. See, rich people keep money. Yeah. Lord have mercy. And by the way, that's going to tie in. Our American obsession with money is so bizarre because what's it done for us? Do you feel like we're a better society now or back when we were all a lot poorer? You tell me. The crime statistics say we were much better off then. But be this as it may. So response number one, public support slash sorrow, mostly from parents. Okay. Number two, public criticism of what I typed. And when I say public, I mean it was posted. They didn't send me a private message. And I want to say this. Almost everyone was so respectful. Did you notice that? There were a couple that were, you know, so self-righteous and so smug and superior. But most of them, like, I was like, those are my students. I remember, you know, ooh, love those skills. Okay. Uh, what did their criticism of my post fall into? No, school didn't indoctrinate me. You know, college didn't. Catholic schools did, right? I was indoctrinated at a Catholic school. And when I left a Catholic school, I was shown a bigger world. Okay. All right, good to know. I, and I don't know if this goes back to the definition of indoctrinization. Um, and I don't know. I was only one teacher. But anyway, two, uh, Catholic schools sheltered me. This was a big one. Somehow we've decided shelter is bad, right? I was really surprised at that. Um, and I was surprised at what they called sheltered. I got to say, we buried 10 kids in my 10 years there, right? Three murders, one who killed themselves, four who died of cancer, and two killed by drunk drivers. That doesn't seem real sheltered to me. I don't know, but it's definitely what they felt. Um, and I can't say to them, you weren't sheltered, because I don't know, right? There were 586 of them every year. Uh, well, not really. Right? Yeah, take away 100. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. You get me. Okay. So, Catholic schools indoctrinated me, not the university. Two, Catholic schools sheltered me. And then three, I entered the university privileged, but I didn't know it. And the university opened my eyes to that. Okay? Now, this does seem to go back to money. I think they think that if they're rich, or their parents were rich, technically, that they were privileged which is a fascinating point of view. The suicide rate for wealthy is much higher than the suicide rate for poor. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't say. Because again, as I pointed out, I said 40% of our students were, on, were, at, were below the government standard, were at or below the government standard for poverty. And again, here's the crazy part. If your parents were in that group, they gave. I'm telling you, it's nuts, but be this as it may. So the, the criticism level that my post fell into those categories, Catholic schools indoctrinated me, Catholic schools sheltered me, 
and and I entered the university system and found out I was privileged my whole life and I didn't know. School opened my eyes, it didn't indoctrinate me. Okay, so that was their position. And I found, I'll be candid, I'm working on it. I found two of those where I went, okay, I think I can stretch my brain to see your point of view. Right? My, my standard is, and someone gave this to me, I sure as heck didn't make it, I'm not smart enough. When I can explain and defend a point of view, then I understand it. So I thought, okay, did Catholic school indoctrinate? I think I can explain and defend that position. I don't agree, but I think I can explain and defend that. I think, I think, I just don't know what you mean by privileged. Um, if you mean wealth, okay, I guess. I just don't know how that's privilege, right? I mean, we weren't rich. Dad's here. But I think I was privileged just because mom and dad loved me, and, and we were all together. I had a mom and a dad. Um, so I could say, yeah. You know, like that one, I, I said, when, when I went to university, I remember thinking, holy cow, um, not everyone has a mom and dad at home. Right, that are really in the fight with you, but won't coddle either. Like people, <laughs> sorry, the going to games thing, right? Which is lovely, but I want to be clear, that was not my generation, right? My mom didn't. I remember first year at Lansing Catholic. My mom didn't come to a game. I'm like, your parents go to games? <laughs> my mom were like, yeah, you you go ahead. We're gonna stay here and do something meaningful, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, privileged is such an elusive word to me. So I think I can defend one in three. The sheltered one, no. I'll be honest. That's one I can't get my brain to. Um, and Because, A, I just don't know why sheltering is bad. I, I can't believe that became a bad word. Uh, holy crap, if we sheltered you, I'm so grateful. Because it's a storm out there. Oh, all right. How am I doing? Am I being fair? I'm trying to be as fair as I know how. Okay. Number three. Whoa, hey, how's it going? I blew up my uh, text here. Okay. Can you tell I really have been obsessing about this? Okay. Number three. There was public support for my state from for my statements from students. There was a few. One, two, three, four that I can remember. Literally, yes. The university was a system of indoctrination, and I either learned to dance the dance or to fight it, and if I fought it, I lost. Um, and there's really no need to explain there. There were students who just wrote, oh, God, yes, it was brainwashing. Strip, tell me, strip me of my identity, and everybody was on the same page. One student wrote, I did not have one college professor who differed from all the others and how they talked and thought. Oh, okay. That's pretty crazy. Number four, now we're out of the public. I also got emails and messages. Number four, private support for what I typed. Now this blew me away. Three college professors wrote me and went, oh yeah. If they knew I was conservative, they'd fire me tomorrow. Holy cow. One guy wrote, I have given lectures on topics I hate because I need to feed my family. It's like, wow. Two students privately wrote me and said, I'll never say this out loud. My classmates would kill me. But yeah, I found it to be so. I absolutely found the university to be an indoctrination camp. Rather, there was no ideological diversity. None. Okay. 
And again, those I don't think I need to break down. Number five, private criticism. And when I say criticism, I don't mean in a negative way. These were beautiful emails to get. Right, one of my girls, I shouldn't say, one of my students who's a young, she's a mom now, okay? I'm so proud of her. She wrote me and very lovingly was like, the church failed me so completely, it would be hard to explain to you. And as she told her story, I'm like, yep, the church failed you. The church failed you completely. And I got a few of those. Um, how? Mostly through priests. Um, that one of the things, and this is where I got hit the hardest in the best possible way, where I went, okay, Joe, it's time for you to start thinking about how you talk to people this age whom you disagree with, okay? Am I making sense? That, okay, if a student, one of the things I tried to do very faithfully, especially at MSU, when kids disagreed at Lansing Catholic, they tended to do it in my office and also letters, uh, interestingly enough, kids would write letters and put them in envelopes and, you know, they want to talk about homosexuality, abortion, witchcraft. Um, like, again, I said this and this really ticks some students off. There was, in my opinion, a ton more intellectual diversity at Lansing Catholic than at MSU. A ton more. Um, especially when you consider it's 500 students at Lansing Catholic and there are 14,000 Catholics, just Catholics on MSU campus, you know. But uh, when a student comes to, I say a student, when a 20, 30-something comes to a priest to discuss what might be called liberal or conservative issues, that they run into a brick wall, a lot of them. My priest said, uh, I'm wrong, I'm going to hell, I'm, you know, that they don't feel listened to and they don't feel like their viewpoint is treasured or taken in by the priest or the church. They find themselves horrified by, as I often do, to be clear, by the priorities of the church and the contradictory messages. So, for example, I know one of the questions I'm going to get tomorrow because I've already got 10 of them today. Pope uh, Francis very publicly, apparently I missed all this, gave communion to Nancy Pelosi when her bishop, who's her proper ecclesial authority, said, you shouldn't go to communion. No matter who you are, that's confusing. And one of those is offensive. Okay? Uh, I don't know what to do with that information. Because one has one set of priorities, one has another. And I told Carrie, how can a Catholic even know anymore? Uh, and I mean it. Um... And the fact is, uh, the Bible is uber clear on immigration. I mean, it's not subtle. Like Moses said, anyone who mistreats an immigrant is mistreating God. Yet, uh, the church, who has written tons about immigration, you, you can look, but nobody ever publishes it, right? I mean, it's not out there. Uh, but... I've not yet seen a bishop go after a Catholic. Well, I don't know if there's any. All the Catholics are Democrats. I don't know. Anyway, they're confused, and they feel no one's listening to them, and they feel like the church doesn't care about them. And I tend to think they're right. I do. I think most priests are more interested in banging out annulments and weddings 
than say sitting down and commiserating with a husband and wife who have to get an annulment. I, I told Carrie, one of the first things I do when we're doing annulments is I say, I'm so sorry, this sucks. I agree with it, right? I think we have to treat marriage so sacred that we're careful. But then anyone who's done an annulment with me will back me up. I do it with you. I'm not going to make you do work I won't do. And I pray with these people um, and try to help as best I can. A lot of priests, well, you need an annulment. Here's 852 pages of insanely personal questions. Uh, get to work. And then they don't mail it into the tribunal and blame the office of tribunal. Uh, so the private criticism was very much directed toward the church and priests, including me. Like one person told me, and I was so heartbroken. I called you two years ago about a wedding. You never called back. Oh, I don't know how to keep off. I don't. And I, I can't tell you, like even right now, I could cry just thinking about all that's going on that I'm trying to meet. But that doesn't help a person who's hurt by it. So that's what we have five categories. How are we doing? Are our people being good to each other? Yeah. Okay. First, public support saying, yeah, my kids went to college and it felt like somebody completely changed them and they don't even like me anymore. They need me, <laughs> but they don't like me or respect me or the faith. Uh, two, public criticism, mostly from my former students who pointed out, well, you can't call what the university did indoctrinization unless indoctrination. How do you say that word? Is it an indoctrinization? I've always said that, but anyway, uh, uh, come Holy Spirit. Uh, but yeah, but your Catholic schools did the same. Uh, you just charged less, you know, um, and uh, a sorrow that Catholic schools sheltered them and hid from them that they are privileged. I didn't know I was privileged until I went to university and learned. Okay. Uh, three, public support from former students. This was a small group. Uh, four, private support for what I typed. That was probably the second, third largest group. And then number five, private criticism. Um, and what did I learn? Okay. So I wrote a few things. And this is just what I personally learned. One, I learned a lot of people who hold the same positions I do are pretty quiet. And I know that sounds funny. I can't tell you. I think I told you how many students wrote and were like, no, no, I'm with you. I would never type it on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, I found that fascinating. And even a few non-students like parents, parishioners, right? I mean, it's like, well, gosh, I'm pro-life. I see Facebook is filled with pro-choice. I'm never going to post what I post. I don't want to fight. Like, oh, and I don't know, you know, if that's a hand in hand thing that, uh, but I did learn that. And that was fascinating Two, I learned, I need to be, make sure that if a young person comes in to me, uh, remember how I told you that big old chipmunk yesterday? He's oh yeah, back. he's back. Uh, for those of you who didn't watch yesterday, I have a chipmunk that I believe is taking steroids. Uh, he doesn't play baseball, so I think he's okay. Uh, but I've never seen a chipmunk that big and it's not a squirrel. I know chipmunks. And he's right there. Okay. Uh, two, I need to make sure, and we priests, how's this, need to do for people who come in to talk to us what Jesus did for us. Namely, I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm going to meet you right where you are. And then we will walk together to the next step. Okay. And I think the church needs humility. She keeps forgetting. Um, when I say she, I mean the church. The church keeps forgetting the golden days are over. 
the days of 500 Catholic churches every 80 feet and Catholics go to church no matter what, those days are dead uh, and we killed them. But we still act arrogant. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now what we're going to get to is the, the next, uh, the four things, okay? One, what can we do with the information I've shared with you? Beyond ignore it. Of course you can ignore it. This is just my experience, right? Number two, how pro-choicers can better understand pro-lifers. Number three, how pro-lifers can better understand pro-choicers. And then four, what can we do together? If you're a pro-choicer and I'm a pro-lifer, what can we agree on and how can we work together? Sound good? Yeah? How are people doing? Good. Woo! Indoctrination, it is, right? Yeah, um, indoctrination. Oh, it is indoctrination. Oh, they're two different words. Yeah. My lady, it got cold, didn't it? It's comfortable. Okay, this is so crazy. Okay, sorry. This is a long story. All right, indoctrination. The process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Okay, indoctrinization is the process of indoctrinating. It's the act. The act of indoctrinating. That's a fascinating distinction. Can you slap that up on our Facebook page, whatever this thing is? Yeah. Okay. Are people doing okay? Yes. Are you guys happy? Seriously, be honest. Yeah. Are people finding this? Okay. So where did we go? Uh, what to do with this information? What to do, pray with this information? Does anyone remember back masking? from the 1980s. Does anyone remember this? I don't know. Okay. In the 1980s, for those of you who are not, what am I? A Gen Xer, right? Um, one of the big things in the Christian world was back masking. It was the idea that if you play some records backwards, right? They don't have, I know y'all don't use records anymore, but you can spin them the other way. Or, uh, the Beatles. huh? The Beatles. Yeah. Then you hear secret messages. John is dead. Yeah. That was called backmasking. And I remember uh, Burke Breathed had a comic called Bloom County. Do you remember? I, I loved Bloom County. And he had this whole series about playing Christian music backwards, and it was all stuff praising God. It was hysterical. Okay. So what do we do with the information that I've presented? One, and I mean this, pray to understand Okay, that's the only way I got a breakthrough on some of these, trying to see things from people's perspectives that I radically disagree with. Pray to understand. Uh, I hope you can see the effort I put in to trying to understand. I typed, I thought, I took walks, I prayed. I literally woke up in the middle of the night trying to think about this. Because my starting point was, how did we get here? How can so many Catholics advocate for abortion. I just, I can't wrap my brain around it, but I'm getting there. Not that I agree, but I'm starting to understand the thought process and how one, I listened. I really did. I tried. Uh, and when I say, listen, technically I read, you know what I mean? Uh, and two, I prayed, Lord, help me to understand. Lord, help me to understand. Number two, strive to not reduce those you disagree with to demons. What does that mean? Now I'm gonna get real blunt and hopefully practical. Pro-life and pro-choice memes, as a general rule, are really stupid. 
and they're geared toward not helping anyone understand, but getting your side to nod. Okay. Uh, like, for example, um, literally, there was a post that, some, <laughs> that people too smart for this crap put up that said, well, they've taken out Roe. Now they're going to take out uh, Plessy versus board, uh, the Board of Education. So they're suggesting that our defense of the unborn was also that we could make sure black people and white people don't go to school together, or that that's somehow the logical next step. Um, Dred Scott, like all these different cases. Folks, it was Christianity that ended slavery. And I'm a historian, and you can argue it all you want, you're wrong. There is no defense against slavery outside of some faith-based approach, okay? Uh, well, I don't know if that's actually true. I got to think about that a little more. But to pretend uh, that is, is really repugnant. Um, and then two, I saw the pro-life memes, which were not pro-life. They were anti-abortion, big old difference, about these baby murderers. That's wicked, um, and it doesn't help the conversation. It's not going to change minds and hearts. You know what it's going to do? Encourage violence. And you know it when you post that crap. And if you don't know it, then you haven't thought it through. Think it through. Okay? So that's number two. Do not reduce those who disagree with you to demons. As it turns out, neither I nor you know everything. And other people can teach us stuff. But that's not going to happen when we pretend everyone who disagrees with us must be racist, demonic, or stupid. Number three, this is the one that really I'd never thought of this before, and I got to think about it. The group you agree with, if you're a pro-lifer, police the pro-lifers, right? Police them. When they post stupid things, you call it out. When they post inaccurate things, you call it out. For you pro-choicers, same thing. Police your own tribe. It will do so much good. I did see a pro-choicer put up something awful about pro-lifers, and a pro-choicer ran right into the chat and defended pro-lifers. I didn't know what to do with that. But I dialogued with this person. I didn't know them. I was like, can I message you? Yes, okay. So we message, and they're like, I think your position's wrong. I think your position's awful. But you deserve better than that. Pro-lifers deserve better from that. I've seen the great work they do. Holy crap. And that got right in my head. I thought, you know what? Someone will put some, and most part I'm good at this, but about two out of every hundred, I can't take it. And I'm like, this is stupid. And then I regret it. What if I did that to the people I agree with instead of those I disagree with? What if I cleaned my own camp before I worked on yours? In the words of, right, you get me? Yeah. Do you dig this? Yes. I was blown away by this. Yes. And I would love to say, well, this was all my brilliance. No, I watched it and went, oh. So we got number one, pray to understand. Two, the people who disagree with you aren't demons. Three, police your own group. And number four, use logic. Be careful of people who try to manipulate your emotions. It means they're not confident in what they believe or they think you're stupid. Okay. 
<laughs> so those are the four things I think we can do with the information I've shared so far. I'm tired. Yeah. Okay. Now let's look at how can pro-choicers better understand us pro-lifers. And then next, I'll look at how us pro-lifers can better understand our pro-choice brothers and sisters. Okay? Are people doing all right? Yep. Okay, so pro-choicers, how can you understand us pro-lifers a little better? One, not everyone believes that the government is a good way to deal with poverty. And that's a reasonable position. Okay? So if you look at the Luke Project in Flint, which does more for expectant moms than any organization I've heard of, they'll tell you, oh, there's all kinds of government programs. None of them work. Why? Or None of them work for everyone. Holy cow, excuse me. Why? Well, a lot of them are dependent on cars. Can you get to A? And this government program might be, you might qualify for it and you might not, and it seems very arbitrary. And there's no government program that covers them all because there's no government program that could. So for example, she, a mom might be able to get help with uh, sonograms and prenatal care, but she can't get vitamins. She can't get the, um, what do you call those? Uh, sis, uh, the shots and the uh, oh, yeah, things like that. Yeah. That it's not as easy as well. The government needs to pay for this, okay? Because what we know is the government's terrible at it. Uh, if it were what we believe, pardon, we believe we're good at it. So, for example, we have an emergency line, okay, and it says on there, uh, this is for hospital calls and funeral calls, but people call for help sometimes. Eight out of 10 times, they're just trying to get money. They don't have a real need. You say, how can you tell? Well, real simple. Over here, we've been doing it for 30 some years and they have records, <laughs> right? Oh, that phone number? Oh yeah, we know her, okay? And come on in, we're gonna help her still anyway. But what we're not gonna do is say, here's 300 bucks for your rent. We'll pay your rent. <laughs> we pay rent all the time here. We pay electric bills all the time. We pay heating bills all the time, but we pay the company, not the person. Why? We're small enough. We can get away with it. We know everybody in the area as a general rule. Um, this is called the principle of subsidiarity. It's the idea that the, the smaller the group, the more efficient and less likely to be wasteful. Okay, so when you say, well, if you were really pro-life, you'd want government programs that, oh, automatically pro-lifers just shut you out. No, we don't think that'll work. And a lot of us are in the trenches and can prove it. Okay, it's not an unreasonable position. You don't have to agree. Oh my gosh, you can totally disagree. That's why we need Democrats and Republicans. Healthy disagreement. But it is not an unreasonable position. Okay, number two. How can a pro-choicer better understand us pro-lifers? Here's the key, okay? And again, you don't have to agree. For us, the only question that matters is personhood, okay? If we are talking about a human, then the argument kind of ends. And you might say, well, you're not pro-life about this, that, that. Okay, perfect, sure. Is that a human? Well, you're only pro-birth. Okay, is that a human? Because it's a human, you don't take its life. That's it. Um, that's it. So those are the two things. Like when I've talked to pro-choicers who are willing to talk and willing to listen, those are the two points that always get them in a good way. Like where they go, 
okay, I got you. I don't agree, but I get you. One, we don't think a government program is always the answer, right? Two, the only question for us is, is that a human? Well, no. Okay, when is it a human? When it's born. Holy crap, that's pretty interesting. Uh, what's the magic moment? Right? Or, no, at this point, okay, then can we say after that point abortion should be illegal? And we'll get to that in a minute, by the way. But if we don't have a reasonable standard and to say this is when it's life and this is when it's not, then right now the power to live and die is depending on somebody's will. That's creepy. Okay? So how can we pro-lifers understand the pro-choicers better? Okay, number one. We better embrace the reality that we're not perceived as consistent. Okay? Yes, we will fight like heck for the unborn, but uh, kind of nothing else. And you might think, well, they're different. Of course they're different. I think they're different, and I can see the wisdom of this. Like, people do this all the time, and it kind of cracks me up. Well, what about capital punishment? Well, that's a totally different thing. Sure it is. Right? And I get it, right? What did we execute? 25 people last year, or 23 last year. There were that many abortions in eight minutes today. Well, less than that. I got to do the math, and I'm terrible at math. There's an abortion by Planned Parenthood alone every 90 seconds, let alone the other abortion providers. So whatever that is, but at the same time, pro-lifers, can you see people looking at us and going, huh, so you do respect-ish life. <laughs> And it's a reasonable position, guys, because what they're not saying is you can't be anti-abortion. That's not their point. Their point is you are so inconsistent. You don't care if people die of hunger. You, you don't care about people at the border. Well, they need to follow the process. Americans say that all the time with no idea of how hard it is to come into this country. No idea. And how different it is probably from what your ancestors went through. Dad's ancestors got off a boat, literally, were put in a nice little camp with a whole bunch of other German speakers. They were checked for smallpox and quarantined. They were then taught the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And then they were given money and sent out. So 60 days? Do you think that's what's happening now? Yeah? Remember the whole Statue of Liberty, bring us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free? We either need to take that damn thing down or start living that. And until we do, the pro-choicers will never find us credible. Okay. Two, calling a pro-choicer a murderer or baby killer is not a helper. You are not pro-life. You're calling for violence. What is the proper response to a child killer, I ask you? And if that's what you're calling them, you're not pro-life. And you're not helping the cause. And you're not saving lives. You've just found a cause you believe in that gives you an excuse to vent your rage. These are children of God you're disagreeing with. You better treat them like it. How else can we pro-lifers better understand pro-choicers? Number three, uh, same thing as the pro-lifers. Police your own group, okay? Pro-lifers, pro-choicers, this is the same point on both categories. Police your group. Look at people posting garbage and tell them that's garbage. I agree with you, that's garbage. <laughs> I agree with you on abortion, and you're full of crap. Take that crap down. Okay? 
so those are, I have, what can pro-choicers, how can you better understand as pro-lifers? I have two points, right? How can pro-lifers better understand pro-choicers? I have two points. And then there's a third point for both. And then there's a fourth point for both, okay? Listen to me. You're not alone, okay? For those of you who are pro-choice and last week's ruling scared you, there's others like you. And while I don't agree with you, I'm here to calm your fears, and, and I'll be here as best I can. We do so much here. Like many Catholic churches, we do so much for this. We're still in. We're still in the fight. We're not going away in a good way. And for you pro-lifers who are scared about the violence we've been seeing, right? Churches got burned down. Pro-life centers got burned down. You're not alone, okay? And you've got plenty of pro-choice friends who would rather die than see your efforts to help the poor and help moms be damaged. Did you get me? That there's good guys and good women on both sides. And while, again, pro-choicers, I'm telling you, I don't get it, right? I kind of get it. I don't agree with you. But if anyone here tried violence against you in the name of pro-life, I'd be at your side. I promise. And I believe you would. many of you would do the same for me. Okay. How are we doing? Okay. Now, this part I'm kind of proud of. I worked hard at <laughs> What can we do together? If you're a pro-choicer and you think, Joe, you're full of crap about the abortion issue, but I'd work with you, great. Okay, here's what I got. Number one, I need us to recognize the politicians are not interested in us being at peace with each other. Right? They are not interested in you and I. The Democrats want you scared of one thing, the Republicans want you scared of another. They are interested in themselves and nothing more. And you might think, well, I know a politician. Sure. Well, praise God, they're a minority. Okay. Be careful of how much you believe your party of preference. Be careful. Choose the relationship in your families and with your friends over a bunch of hacks who live off the public dime. I'm talking about politicians, right? And I mean it. If you are breaking familial relationships because of politics, you're doing family and politics wrong, okay? Number two, every pro-choicer I've talked to agrees with me on this, everyone. We all want adoption and fostering to be easier and cheaper. Do you know why it isn't? Because of point number one, the politicians want us separated. Imagine if we did a rally for adoption and our pro-choice brothers and sisters and pro-life brothers and sisters literally joined hands and said, we're in unity on this, get to work, DC. They would, but we won't, so they won't. Yeah, all they want is to get elected. All they want is more power. Great. Here's how you can get some. Make both of us happy. Make both of us happy. We pro-lifers and we pro-choicers can work together on this because I've never met anyone who disagrees. Isn't that crazy? Fostering and adoption needs to be simplified. It needs to be better. And it can be. We just don't demand it because we're too busy screaming at each other. Okay. Number four, avoid the cliches. Both sides can avoid the cliches. That'd be so much helpful. Ugh, pro-lifers are just pro-birth. Baloney. Baloney. Please, call Planned Parenthood and try to get some diapers. 
call our church and try to get some, see which goes first, okay? And not only that, but the cliches on the other side don't help. Well, just don't have sex. If you can't have a baby, don't have sex. Uh, okay, sure. But just as a side note, we might have any kind of standard we want for ourselves, but it doesn't mean we live it. And not everyone agrees with us on this topic that sex is for marriage. Right? I did. I got to say, did I show you that one? I said something I thought was so clever. Somebody put up this post. Well, if they're going to do this with Roe versus Wade, then every man who has sex with a woman needs to be held legally responsible for the baby that's born. And I'm and like every pro-lifer is like, yeah, you just reversed engineered marriage. You know, uh, but anyway, avoid those cliches. Pro-lifers do care about children. And if you want proof, come on over here. We do thousands of dollars a, a month in aid, joyfully. We love it. And pro-lifers pro don't fall into those stupid cliches either. Well, if you don't want to have a baby, don't have sex. Well, it turns out some married people can't afford a baby, and they would like to have sex, and sometimes birth control doesn't work. The church forbids birth control in marriage. Yeah, huge thing here. Not everyone's Catholic, right? I know it's crazy, but it's true. <laughs> Okay, avoid the cliches. And then my last point for how we can do, how are people doing? Worship together. Okay. Um, I know there's priests and I ask forgiveness for them who get up and say, if you don't believe this, you can't go to communion. Guys, I got pro-choicers in my church and I love them and they love me. And we disagree on this issue. Um, I don't think... Me telling them, I can't simultaneously complain about a lack of ideological diversity in the university and then demand a lack of ideological diversity in my church. It's called hypocrisy. If I believe I'm right, I need to be confident that by us praying together, we'll get on the same page. If I want to be humble, then I better believe that by praying together, there's things I need to change so we can be on the same page. Does this make sense? We need to pray together. And we don't have to, let's have a prayer time together about abortion. Let's have a prayer time together about Jesus. <laughs> let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's pray in the community of the church. If you think, if somebody, if some church official has told you because of your politics or your moral choices that you don't belong in church, they don't belong in church. You do. You do. So that's what I got. How can we work together? One, we can recognize that politicians are basically the enemy. And I mean that. I really, really do. Uh, all they want is to be elected. right? And the second thing they want is their party to win. And if the country loses, fine. Two, all of us want adoption and fostering to be easier, cheaper, better, whatever. We can agree on this and we're together. Number three. Oh, I skipped that point. Well, I'll leave it alone. Well, I don't know. Well, I guess I wrote compromise. Basically, here's the thing. I think all of us can agree that at some point that's a human. And if we're all willing to compromise, then it won't feel so random. <laughs> right? Well, when is it a life? Well, when I decide, oh, sweet Lord, that's dangerous. There's got to be a point where we can all reasonably say, okay, that's a human now. And why can't we do that? Right? There's, there's 2,800 abortions a day. By Planned Parenthood's own statistics, 3% are about 
troubled pregnancies, right? Most of it's birth control. There's better ways to do birth control, right? Oh, gosh, that's another topic I totally forgot. Holy cow. Does If you're a Catholic and you're like, well, does the church allow abortions to save mom's life? Yeah, that's totally different. We're talking about abortion as birth control here, okay? Um, save mom's life, yes. Is, the, does, is she required to get an abortion to save her life? No. Some moms have chosen not to. But let's not lump together abortion as birth control with abortion helping women who are who could die or might die or who right I, I i hope that's clear in fact i should have said it at the beginning but i assume people of goodwill get that um that we need to make an extinction a distinction abortion is birth control abortion saving mom's life and i don't i did check with an OBGYN on this on tuesday ectopic pregnancies which are incredibly rare are not abortions, guys. That's something that's been put out there the last few years to further muddy the waters, okay? And that is a, oh gosh, I just wanna cry for those moms. And that's totally different than, well, than abortion is birth control, okay? I hope we get that, I do. And this is, I guess, part of it for us uh, who are anti-abortion. You know, let's remember we're talking about God's girls here. God's daughters, and let's have some frickin' respect, you know, uh, when we talked about and to. Whew, so recognize politicians are not interested in us being at peace with each other, and I'm not being cynical, guys. That's a fact. Uh, two, we all want adoption and fostering to be easier. Three, I think we can all agree that there's got to be some point that we call the human. Let's find that point together right? Uh, avoid cliches. They're not helpful. And all of us belong at church, whatever church you go to. Uh, pray together. Pray together. Don't let anyone kick you out of church because you don't think like the group. Okay. So you said there's questions. Are they nice questions? Uh, just this one. Okay. Father, please help me understand rape situations and medical emergencies. Oh, yeah. Where life is going to be lost. Well, let's, let's um, divide those. Okay, so instantly when we talk about situations where mom's life is in danger, when we talk about rape, and when we talk about incest, if you put all three of those together by Planned Parenthood's numbers, that comes to less than 3% of abortions in our country. Okay, um, so medical emergencies, the church says save the mom's life, right? Uh, you don't have to, excuse me. I mean, some, the church says this, nobody's called the moral heroism, right? And uh, there are many women who I've prayed with and hugged and cried with because they had to get an abortion and they didn't want to, but they wanted to save their, they wanted to be able to mom to their other kids. And I totally get that. And the church allows it. Jesus allows it. Um, what about rape? I got to tell you, I have a friend who's a product of a rape. And he always says, my God, if my mom was raped two months later, she would, I wouldn't be here because he was, she was raped around the Roe v. Wade decision. It's not the child's fault this horror happened. And I don't know what else to tell you. Um, yeah. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Uh, oh, okay. 
so somebody's helping us with the Pelosi thing. Like I said, what I got was a bunch of questions as if I knew what happened. And they all seem to say the Pope gave Nancy Pelosi communion. This person says, no, no, uh, Nancy Pelosi met with the Pope prior to Mass and received a blessing. Praise God. Uh, everybody should get a blessing. Uh, during Mass, she went to communion and received from a priest, not the Pope. That's super helpful. Thank you, whoever said that. I'll be honest. I haven't had time. We had a billion deaths here uh, in the church, and uh, I'm just busy writing funeral homilies and comforting people and then thinking of this nonstop. Uh, this is my pathetic attempt to help guys, uh, I thank you for everyone who meaningfully contributed to the conversation. Um, I just want to be a good priest. I want to be a faithful servant of Jesus and of his bride. That's you. We're his bride. And uh, it is my prayer that everyone who responded in a healthy way to me feels represented here. Uh, and I pray we learn to live in peace together and that we figure this out together because um, it seems pretty gosh darn important. Uh, so with that, whoo, this fat boy is tired. Did you see my shirt? By the way, I tried to wear this shirt today because it's one of my favorites to make it, you know, because if this doesn't make you laugh, there's something wrong with you. Oh yeah. Okay. It's from, all right. So, uh, with that, uh, salad pray, and then I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow for a question and an answer session. I doubt if I'll be taking abortion questions okay. because I am so sick of thinking and talking about this, but who knows? Maybe tomorrow with enough caffeine in the system. Do I have a funeral tomorrow morning? No, not you. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to not bury someone uh, tomorrow. Uh, I tend to only bury dead people. Just as a side note, turns out the other thing's illegal now. Uh, so with that, I guess that's it. Yeah. I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for these good people who shared their hearts and lives with me. And I pray that my words today were your words, Lord. And for any way I spoke wrong or in a way you don't want me to speak, Lord, please forgive me and go behind me and clean up the mess. You see my heart. Oh, Lord, our country, we're tearing each other apart, and we need your help. Help us to respect each other, to listen to each other, to not judge motives and, and, and any of that, but simply to, to together figure out how can we love as best we can. We ask that you bless anyone for whom this is a dark topic, a topic that wounds them or frightens them. Bring them peace. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we have so many people in our lives that we love very much and we worry about. And we have so many circumstances in our lives that we fret about. Well, whatever they are, Lord, we give them all to you because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you people tomorrow. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.